0: And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray that you would touch me to teach, to bless, to edify, and encourage your people. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. We are in the 17th chapter of Exodus, and there's a lot going on. The players in this particular chapter are the children of Israel, Moses, God, Aaron, Hur, what will also be known later as the elders of Israel, and a people known as Amalek. The Israelites at this point are moving from one place to another at the commandment of the Lord. With each movement through the wilderness, they go deeper and deeper into a faith walk, if we could call it that. At every depth, there will be a test, and every test will have its toll on them. Somebody say amen. Amen. In our text, they arrive to Riphidim. And to their horror, there is no water for them to drink. There is no way for me to imagine just how much water is needed at this point. The people number easily in the millions. The smallest estimate is around 3 million. And these people are in the desert. And they don't just want water for them. They want water for their children and for their livestock. I cannot imagine how much water is needed. Just reading about this overwhelms me, gives me anxiety, trying to provide for water for 3 million people plus livestock in the desert. But this is where they are, and they are here at the commandment of the Lord. The scripture specifically says that they were there by commandment of the Lord. And I just want you to know that you can obey God. You can be following his commandments and still be in a difficult place. The fact that you are obeying God does not mean you're on easy street. Sometimes you can be obeying God and there's still too much month at the end of the check. Sometimes you can be obeying all the commandments and there's still trouble. Sometimes you can be obeying all the commandments and still be sick. Sometimes you can be doing everything right and there's more need than there is provision. Or at least it looks that way. But I want you to know that sometimes God himself has set you up for such a situation. And somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap or praise. Praise God. I just feel like comforting somebody today who might be overwhelmed. Amen. It could be that God... Has put you where you're at. Amen. And it could be that God is just trying to teach you to trust in Him a little bit more. Somebody say, amen. Amen. The people start complaining. And in particular, they start complaining to Moses to give them water. Moses replies to them and says, Why are you complaining to me? And why do you put the Lord to the test? When we have problems, It's a lot easier to blame someone than it is to think and pray the problem through. When we have problems, it's a lot easier to just find somebody to blame than it is to come down to the church, to hit your knees, to pray, to park the car and say, let me think about this. Before I blame anybody, before I get upset at anybody. And this is not really, I know this might sound like I'm, this is a plug for myself, but I want you to know that it's not uncommon, amen, that in church and other structures as well, that when people have problems, they want to blame upward. They want to, they want to blame upward. But can I tell you that before you blame upward and before you blame outward, you should always look inward, amen, and you should always ask yourself, amen, is there anything here that I can do differently? Amen. Is, is this even my leadership's fault? Is this even so-and-so's fault? Israel was totally and completely capable of coming to the conclusion, there's three million of us, we are in the desert, it's not surprising that there's not water. Uh-huh. They could have come to this conclusion. That's not, that doesn't take, you know, a genius, praise God. Amen. This, this, this would almost seem obvious. And what also is obvious is that the Lord is provoking them not to look to Moses, but to look to him. Because where is Moses going to get, amen, if we just gave everybody a gallon of water, amen. Where is Moses going to get three million gallons, let alone camel's drink, I don't know how many, praise God. And who knows what a sheep drinks, amen, or a goat or whatever, the pet cat, amen. But where is Moses as a man, as a single man, going to come up with water? It was obvious, this man can't produce the water. We, we got to look past this man. We got to go up higher. Praise God. The issue is not with Moses. The issue is with God. Amen. God is not provoking us. Amen. To stone Moses. Amen. God is provoking us to get on our knees and to pray and to ask God. Amen. For provision. Somebody say amen. Amen. This is a critical moment in the life of Israel and in the life of their reluctant leader Moses. A decision must be made as to who will assume responsibility for the people's predicament. Right. A decision must be made. And somebody has to decide who is responsible for these folks. Mm-hmm. This is not, and this is really important, I want, I want us to see this big picture here. This is not the first and neither is it the last time that they will be here. Those of you who've been with us the last few weeks, you know that in chapter 15 and 16, they just had this same trial. They came to the water, and the water wasn't drinkable. Mm -hmm. And here in chapter 17, amen, uh, it doesn't stop. They're having this trial again. And later, as we go down the road, later on in the year, we'll even read in Numbers chapter 20, amen, where they have this same problem again. Amen. Which has... Uh, there's this otherworldly and strange, almost eerie resemblance in each one of these chapters where they come to the water and the water is not drinkable or it's not present. The The odd thing between chapter 20 of Numbers and chapter 17 that we're reading tonight is that in chapter 17 that we just read, God tells Moses, hit the rock and water will come out. But in chapter 20 of Numbers... It's a whole new generation. It's the kids of these people. And God says to Moses, don't you dare hit the rock. And we all know Moses hits the rock. This is not part of today's lesson. But what Moses does first, the people say, we want water. In fact, the scary thing is that they're at this very same place. They're at this place called Rephidim or Meribah. They... 40 years later, they come right back around to this exact position with a whole new generation of folks. And the people tell Moses, we would like some water, please. And Moses looks at the kids and he says, you rebels. And Moses hits the rock. When you look, when you have a jaded view of humanity, it's time to check yourself. Moses could no longer see the difference between the kids and the parents. He just thought, you know what, you're just like your parents. And God said, no, Moses, they're not just like their parents. They're a whole new generation, and they will not bear the sins of their parents. I've already wiped out their parents. They're all gone. They've already, the the sins have already been paid for. You're not going to judge them the way you, judge. you know, I'm telling you this as a pastor. One of the things I have to constantly do is keep believing God to change lives. Because I know that the minute I start thinking, Folks are just rebellious. People are just sinful. This generation doesn't want it. People these days. The world is getting worse. God's going to say, it's time for you to check out. Amen. Because we, and even as a church... We can't ever stop thinking that God is able to save and to deliver, amen, everybody and anybody, generation to generation. I don't want this to be a church, amen, where we walk around just talking about how bad the next generation is, praise God. Let's have faith that God, amen, can do something great in the life of millennials. Let's have faith that God can do something great in the life of our, come on somebody, in the life of the generations to come. Somebody say amen. amen. But here in this particular situation, God tells Moses, he says, I want you to take the rod and hit the rock. But you know, it's, what's very interesting, it, I just noticed uh, here in the King James, it uses the word, it says, take the rod with which you hit, uh, with which you smoke the river. The, the real word there is actually Nile. Um, and God says, I want you to take this rod That was used for judgment. Because this is the rod that Moses waves around. To put Pharaoh in his place. He says I want you to take that same rod. That was used for judgment. And I want you to use it now for mercy. And God is showing the children of Israel. I'm a lot more complicated than you think. And I'm also not as mean and as cruel as you're making me out to be. In fact. I'm so deep and I'm so different than what you think that I can take something that I used to destroy and use it to bring life. And if there's ever been a spirit that that God's people need to rid themselves of is that God is this big mean man upstairs who demands absolute perfection from everybody that, that has nothing to say to you if your life is not right, tick for tack. And we're not condoning sin. God help us all to repent if we're living in sin. But God help us all if we think that we got to come into church squeaky, perfect, clean before God will have anything to do with us. I got news for you. God is not just a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy. Praise God. And I know that a lot of people abuse mercy. We're not saying that God is not a God of judgment. I got news for you. You playing games, you're going to pay for the games you play. Praise God. But at the same time, don't ever let your slip-ups, your mess-ups, your deliberate faults keep you out of the prayer room and away from the altar. If you've sinned, run to the altar because he's not just a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy. Hallelujah. But I want, what I want us to see here in 17, very quickly, is that there's a cycle going on. God is saying, we've been through this water trial before. I want you to take that experience and apply it here. Every single one of us here, as we live for God longer and longer, you're not going to actually have that different of a trial. Most of your trials will be similar to the ones you've always had. That's right. They'll just have different places, different faces, different scenarios, but it'll be the same thing. The scripture talks about God perfecting us. So God knows exactly where we're weak. God knows exactly where we need improvement and he's going to test us in that area over and over and over. When you find yourself at the same river again and again and again, you have to believe if he made the waters if he made bitter water sweet, he could definitely make these waters come out of a rock. And if he made water come out of a rock once, he can do it twice. The whole book of Exodus, this is not part of today's lesson, but the whole book of Exodus has so much to do with water. Baby Moses comes out of the water, praise God. Salvation comes out of the water, amen. The waters are the first thing that are ever struck in the book of Exodus, amen. It is the waters that they walk through into liberation. It is the waters that give them their first set of trials as to whether or not they're going to believe God's capable. Here in 17, we're back at the waters. And Numbers 20 will be back at the waters. And because Moses doesn't deal with the waters the right way, he himself Will be judged and put into the grave by God. Water is a big deal in the Book of Exodus. Somebody say Amen. But in your life, there's there's waters. In your life, there's waters, and you got to believe that if God did it once, He'll do it again. You got to believe that if God did it with the twenty dollar bill, He can do it with the five thousand dollar bill, and you got to believe that if God could do it with the ten thousand dollar bill, He could do it with a hundred thousand dollar bill. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah! Somebody say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Amen. In verse 5, the Bible says that the Lord tells Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Israel will see that God is not the cruel master they're making him out to be. What's interesting about this particular verse is God tells Moses, What I want you to do is I want you to grab the elders of Israel. An elder here does not actually mean advanced in age. Uh, Elder would just mean, um, you know, especially in King James, you'll see it. Sometimes it'll call the older brother the eldest, the eldest brother. Elder was just basically a man who was probably over the age of 40. That was an elder. And they were men that were of reputable esteem in the community. But Moses and these elders of Israel constantly have ongoing issues. And the elders actually never go away, believe it or not. And that, that's, this is a whole lesson in, of, in and of itself. In fact, in the next chapter, we'll read about the elders of Israel because they're the ones that Moses appoints by the advice of his father-in-law Jethro to look over the congregation. God tells Moses, I'm going to provide water. But I'm not going to do it in front of everybody. I want you to take the reputable people of the congregation by themselves. And I want you to go over to the rock and you're going to hit it. And the water is going to come out. Why? Why the elders? Because the elders are going to go back and bear witness of what God has done. You know who's in the service right now? the elders. It is your job and my job to bear good testimony. The elders should always have a good testimony. Amen. We should always be the one encouraging the new converts. God can do it. God brings water. God, God, come on somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You're somebody's big Christian brother. Praise God. You may not see yourself that way, but that's what you are. Amen. You, you have seen miracles that the new converts haven't seen. You have seen miracles that your Bible study has never seen. Amen. When you come to church, get your game face on. Talk positive. Talk high. Talk up. Talk Jesus up. Praise God. If you want to fall apart, just give me a call after service. You can fall apart. You can cry on me. Praise God. Amen. And just, just don't call me too late, but just praise God. We'll cry together. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll cry about how bad your life is together. Hallelujah. But, but when we're in here, hallelujah, let the... Let let the congregation of Israel know, amen, God is a water-making God. God is a God that can do great things. God is a God that delivers. God is a God that saves. Amen. Come on, somebody. Say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The children of Israel, we're not, we don't have a lot of verses here to go. We're almost done. The children of Israel received the water they grumbled about, but it was expensive. They got what they wanted, but it was expensive. And the very next verse, after they receive water, they have to enter into a battle with a people called Amalek. The battle is fierce and it is significant. Moses sends out Joshua and Israel's men to fight. Moses heads up a mountain and he sits on a rock, not a pillow. He sits on a rock, not a pillow, because he refuses to sit comfortably while the people are in combat. That's a good leader. Yeah. Now, if I knew that there was a war that was about to go on, remember, there's no atomic bomb, bomb here. It's not like the war is going to be over real quick. Right. This is going to be a long, everyone's running at each other. It's <coughs> just going to be a drawn-out thing. Moses could have got up there and got on a chair, <coughs> sat on a rocker, Maybe even got a nice pillow. They did have pillows back then. Mm-hmm. But he said, if the people are hurting, I'm going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says that Moses sits on the rock, and he lifts up his hands. And this is not part of tonight's lesson. But we are seeing some of the earliest examples of how people actually prayed. Enough of this little bowing and this, you know, genuflexing and these quiet little prayers. Not even Moses prayed like that. When Moses went to pray, hands were raised up. Amen. Voices were raised up. Amen. Cries were made. Hallelujah. Supplication was heard. Hallelujah. Amen. There, I'm just telling you right now, this stuff we do here in Pentecost, this is, this is, this is ancient stuff. Right? This is not new with us. Amen. This is not Pentecostal. This ain't even Baptist. Praise God. Amen. This, this, they, this has none of that, people. Amen. This is not denominal. This goes way back. Amen. To a man named Moses who walked with God. Hallelujah. And when he talked to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the ancient of days, the first things that happened was hands were raised. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Aren't you glad you go to a hand raising church? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. His hands go up. His hands go up. But as they stay up, they get heavy. They get heavy. You know, this, This, according to its metric weight, is 15 fluid ounces, right? It don't weigh much. 15 fluid ounces, it don't weigh much. But if I keep holding on to it, it starts getting heavier. And all of a sudden, 16, 15 fluid ounces feels like 20 ounces. If I hold on to it for 20 minutes more, it starts feeling like 18 ounces and, and 30 ounces and you hang on to it for enough and it's going to feel like a pound. Yeah. So Moses has his hands up. He's locked in. But it, it's hard to keep his hands up. The Bible says his his hands grew weary or heavy. And Aaron and Hur get right under him and they hold up his arms. Now, I know classically how this is preached. And... Uh, you know, most pastors will preach this, you'll hear this preached, and people will segue into this message of you need to help the man of God, right? And somehow, by the time the sermon's over, you're convinced that you need to be here a little early to help me clean and uh, I, so I've heard those sermons, all right, all right and, yeah, and, and you know and hope you know by the time the sermon's done, you wait for everyone to leave, and you go up to the pastor you're like, pastor, I just want you to know that whatever you need. I'm here for you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know how these sermons work. But I want to actually tell you what's really going on here. Aaron and her didn't go up there to tell Moses, you know, just let us know if you need the tabernacle set up. We'll be there for you, Pastor. They stood alongside the man of God and prayed. I I I want the chairs to be lined up. But you know what I really want? The building to be full of the presence of God. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. I want this place to be clean, but you know what? I'll put up with wrappers rap, and Cheerios on the ground if yeah. the glory of God is in the house. Praise oh, God. Right. Hallelujah. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I was talking to Brother Sandoval here just a few seconds ago, and he said, man, it feels so good in here. Praise God. Amen. And he, it was, he wasn't talking about the AC. He wasn't talking about, <laughs> amen. Amen. It was the presence of God. And that's, that's what we really have to have. Amen. The, the most valuable thing you could do. Yeah. Come on the most valuable thing you could do, amen, if you really want to help the pastor, if you really want to help the battle, amen, just remember, church starts at 1030, amen, and just remember, Wednesday nights is at 7, praise God, amen, and get under under Moses' arms, praise God, and start praying, amen, because the Bible says that while Moses' arms were up, amen, the children of Israel won the battle, but when Moses' arms went down, amen, Amalek began to win the battle, amen, and I really believe with all of my heart that we have reached the here at East Bay Bible Fellowship, praise God, where if we don't pray together, amen, amen, the battle's gonna get hot and heavy, praise God, but if we pray together, amen, if we start tearing down strongholds together, come on somebody, hallelujah, hallelujah, if we start praying together, we're gonna win this battle, praise God, I'm I'm telling you the gospel truth, just the other day, my, my wife saw me, I don't even know if she knew what I was doing, I opened up a little Ziploc bag, and I started writing all your names, I wrote down, Dean, Mary, and Elena Henninger. Praise God. And I put it in the Ziploc bag. And I wrote Esther's name on there. Amen. And I put it in the Ziploc bag. And I wrote Rudy and Linda Harris. Amen. And I just made it up in my mind every day. I have everybody's name in this church and in the Spanish Congregation Church in a little bag. And I'm going to reach my hand in that bag. And I'm praying for every one of you every single day. But, man, I wish somebody would help me pray. Praise God. I really wish somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you want to help and come clean, God bless you. But man, if I can inspire you tonight to do anything, get you a little bag and put everybody's name in there. Hallelujah. One by one. You can ask my wife. We have an attendance sheet. We'll we'll email it to you. Praise God. And you can make you little strips of paper. Rip those things up. Put them in there. And what... How about for your lunch break, amen? Pray for your lunch and take out a name and just say, God bless, amen, so-and-so, amen. God touch, sister so-and-so. God bless, family so-and-so. God do a great thing. Come on, somebody. Amen, we're a praying people. We're a hands lifted up people. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I praise you. Oh Jesus, I worship you. Hitanal Basa. Hitanalabosa da Ladia Babasa da Ladana Ladia Basa. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh God, I praise you. God, I praise you. God, I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're almost done. It's way too easy. It's way too easy to read the 17th chapter of Exodus and say, you know what? The hard part was the battle. The hard work was the fight. The truth is, praying isn't easy work either. The battle was hard. But praying was hard too. Prevailing prayer is hard work. Aaron and her came alongside Moses and prayed. I'm going to close with this. And those of you who were in San Pablo with us last night, uh, you might get a little bit of a repeat here. We win the battle in spirit and in action. Not just spirit. Uh, You know, I I had a friend... um, a ministerial friend who really was convinced that the battle was all spiritual. Like it was just, he prayed about everything and did nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, if we're not careful, we can get into that trap. Yeah. Right. Well, we pray about everything but do nothing. Right. And uh, I'm not just praying for revival. I'm going to go out and get me some revival. Yeah. Hallelujah, <laughs> praise God. We're not just—we're not going to call a prayer chain here and just pray about revival. We're going to come in here and pray maybe one or two times and ask God to send us revival, and then we're going to go get it. Because the battle's twofold—it's asking God and then going out. I know people that live by the mentality of, you know what, just go out and get it things will work themselves out. Things will not work themselves out and you will be out of the will of God for months. And you will hurt yourself. You will injure yourself trying to do crazy stuff in your flesh. If God has not told you, don't do it. Praise God. But once God has told you, do it and do it forcibly and do it mightily and take, man, take it to the devil. Amen. And let, let him have it right between the eyes. Praise God. But if God ain't giving you a word, amen, don't do nothing. But if God's giving you a word, Get to work. Amen. We are, we, are, we are equally obligated to pray and to take action. I told the, ch- the church last night, Bible study in San Pablo, I told them, I said, Noah found grace in the eyes of God, but he also found a hammer. Amen. Praise God. So we find grace in God's sight, but we also find ourselves a hammer and some nails. And we get to work. Somebody say praise the Lord. The 17th chapter of Exodus is beautiful. It shows us a group of people that are learning how to harmonize their experiences with God, their faith in God, their prayers towards God, and action. They're not not just one or the other. God is trying to get them to amalgamate all these things. And to become a holy, as Paul calls it, a fully furnished believer. And the fully furnished believer has faith and works. Somebody say praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is popped.